welcome to Misinformation, the trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Hey. Um, I realized we've gotten some new listeners. Oh, and <laughs> Are they here? And, and in case we want to keep getting new listeners. Oh, true. Maybe yes. we should give a little orientation on what exactly this podcast is. Yes. Oh, that's very smart. So um, <laughs> basically, uh, if you found us, thank you. Welcome. Um, and we each take turns. We do a topic and we do some research on it and we share some interesting trivia and facts you should know about things, give you the backstory on some things. Yep. Um, and then we usually write a 10 question quiz at the end that is um, maybe about the topic we just talked about, but usually relevant via some sort of wordplay tangentially related yes. in some way and we take turns every week presenting both the topic and the questions yes so uh this week this week is lauren this week is a lauren week and um so i have a confession before i start my topic okay i lauren tagliaferro uh-huh. i am a popper i'm a popaholic Oh, you're making a face. I knew it. I knew it would I knew this wouldn't be a safe space. So I I don't like popping zits. That's not my thing. I think it's gross. But I do like your crying. I do like <laughs> I do like watching Dr. Pimple Popper on YouTube. I'm putting a disclaimer on this episode. Go ahead. What's the disclaimer? Say it right that now. It's for that it's gross. It's not gross. <laughs> I mean, it's not as gross as like some of my other topics. I mean, come on. But um, I find it very relaxing, which is very weird. And there's something psychological about that. I'm getting stressed that. out just listening to you talk about it. I'm not going to describe any popping in great detail. Although I will say one episode. So she's very, the reason why I like it is because it's not like she's just some lady. Like she's a board certified dermatologist. She's a beautiful woman. She definitely like takes into consideration that she's a dermatologist. Like she takes beautiful care of her skin and, uh, it's in a medical setting. She's got like a sterile field. She's wearing gloves and she uses tools and she has a great bedside manner. Shout out to Dr. Sandra Lee. I'm going to tag her in the Twitter shout out. Like the, like the lady from food network. Yes. Yes. Kind of like that, but not her name is Sandra Lee. Yeah, it is. But this is a different Sandra Lee. This is a Dr. Sandra Lee. And, uh, so the reason why I like it is because it's not, it's, it's sterile. It's medical. It's more medical than it is like just a couple of teenagers, like, be, like mashing on their friend's back. So what? <laughs> don't what have you heard you, of these things? hang out with? I don't hang out with any of these people. I just watch it on YouTube. Look, I thought this was a safe space, but apparently I was wrong. Anyway. So I like watching those videos. So anyway. But that got me interested in skin okay. because skin is a crazy organ. There's all sorts organ. of crazy things happening on your skin at all times. So my topic for today is called the skin you're in skin. I've got you under my skin. So I know that you talked about skin during your human anatomy class yes. episode. So um, I'm going to go over just a couple of quick things that you had already touched on from mm-hmm. that, like as a refresher, and then I'm going to go into some dirty deets about Great. some skin. I can't wait. I know. I know you can't wait. You're bated breath. <laughs> okay. 
So your skin is the largest organ in the integumentary system, as you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, the integumentary system comprises the skin and its appendages to protect the body from various kinds of damage, such as loss of water or abrasion from the outside. Um, The integumentary system across all mammals includes hair, scales, feathers, hooves, and nails. Those are all the whole system to like protect the outside. Um, so the skin has up to seven layers of ectodermal tissue and human skin is similar to most of other mammal skin and human skin is also very similar to pig skin. Ooh, yeah. Which is why medical students use pigs to practice on. Like with stitches and stuff. Like stitches and using the scalpel and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and forensic investigators use pig skin to investigate wound patterns and blood spatter. Um, the adjective cutaneous, Mm -hmm. uh, literally means of the skin from the Latin cutis, which means skin. Um, so the average square inch of skin holds 650 sweat glands, 20 blood vessels, 60,000 melanocytes, which is what produces melanin, which is produces your color and more than 1000 nerve endings. This is just in a square (gasps) inch. inch. I know. Isn't that crazy? Um, the average human skin cell is about 30 micrometers in diameter, but there are variants. They can be in different size, like different shapes. Okay. Um, a skin cell usually ranges from 25 to 40 micrometers squared, depending on a variety of factors. Uh, skin is composed of three primary layers, as you had mentioned before, the epidermis, the dermis, and the hypodermis. Okay. So I'm going to get into some dirty deets about each one of those layers. <laughs> Because it's interesting and it's good information. It's like a cake, but like not a, as delicious. Like a del- no, like a delicious cake. <laughs> no, we'll stick with that. Uh, the epidermis, I'm calling the wrapping paper of the body. That's such a pleasant way to put it. Isn't that nice? Yeah. It's like your wrapping paper. It's your fancy outside. Um, epi, coming from the Greek meaning over or upon, is the outermost layer of the skin. It forms the waterproof protective wrap over the body's surface, which also serves as a barrier to infection and is made up of stratified, layered, squamous, which means scale, epithelium, which are skin cells, with an underlying basal lamina. And a basal lamina is basically a layer of extracellular matrix. It's like a goo secreted by the epithelial cells. Yeah, isn't that gross? um, Goo. Um, it's essentially a matrix of cell juice that helps with cell communication. It helps with like cell the, juice. It's, it is. It's cell Can juice. Can you see like goop trying to sell cell juice? Yes. Like apply cell juice under the eyes and your chakras will align <laughs> and your skin will look like you were literally born yesterday. Um, the epidermis is divided into several layers where cells are formed through mitosis at the innermost layers. Um, so skin cells, they, they divide, divide, and they're created and then they move up to the surface. Mm -hmm. They move up the strata and they change shape and composition as they differentiate and they become filled with keratin, which is the same stuff that your nails are made out of. Mm -hmm. Um, They eventually reach the top layer, which is called the stratum corneum, which is like the stuff that you're looking at right now. Okay. And they are sloughed off or what's known as disquaminated. Ooh, that's a fun term. Isn't that great? Disquamous. I love that. Um, this process is called keratinization and takes place within weeks. It takes a while for the skin uh-huh. cells to so kind of make their way up. So it makes its way, way up. up. Yep. Um, and this keratinized layer of skin is responsible for keeping water in the body and keeping other harmful chemicals and pathogens out, making skin a natural barrier to infection. So what you're looking at, like if you're looking at my face right now, you're watch, you're looking at an entire layer of just dead skin cells. Mm. Mm, gross. The makeup artists don't talk about it. No, they that, do not. Do they? No, they don't. Because if you were to like scrape that off, then you'd get to the dermis, which is, I'm calling it's the dermis 
cushion from the pushin. Today I got to the dermis because <laughs> I was creating uh, lemon zest oh, no. on a microplaner. Oh, no. And I did went you, too far. Did you plane your knuckles? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have definitely done that with the tips of my fingernails. Mm-hmm. And that is also a very unpleasant sensation. <sighs> Ugh, I shouldn't be allowed to touch anything <laughs> sharp. sharp objects. Um, so the dermis is a layer of skin beneath the epidermis that consists of connective tissue and cushions the body from stress and strain. Oh, it cushions the body from yeah. stress. Cushion from the pushin. That's why it's called that. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> why it's called that. It is. That's what I called it at least. Um, the dermis is tightly connected to the epidermis by what's known as a basement membrane. Uh, it is a thin fibrous barrier between the skin and the more delicate stuff beneath. Uh, it also harbors many, many nerve endings that provide the sense of touch and heat. Okay. Uh, it contains the hair follicle, sweat glands, sebaceous glands, apricine glands, which is like under your armpits, like apricine, ap apocine. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, ap apocrine, a p o c r i n e. Okay, apocrine. So, like part of the endocrine system. Yes, it's it okay. secretes your uh, milk ducts are part of the apocrine system, so your boobs are apocrine glands. I mean, I'm just telling, I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah. Uh-huh. So lymphatic vessels are also under there and blood vessels, small blood vessels. Mm-hmm. Um, the blood vessels in the dermis provide nourishment and waste removal from its own cells, as well as from the lower part of the epidermis. So it's like taking all of that away and mm-hmm. sending it out through the blood yeah. path. Uh, the dermis is structurally divided into two areas, a superficial area adjacent to the epidermis called the papillary region and a deeper, thicker area known as the reticular region. And this is what's cool. The papillary region is composed of loose areolar connective tissue and is named for its finger-like projections called papillae that extend toward the epidermis. And the papillae provide the dermis with a bumpy surface that interdigitates, which okay. is a great word, mm-hmm. which just means interlocks. Like okay like how your fingers interlock, it's mm-hmm. interdigitates with the epidermis, strengthening the connection between the two layers of skin in the palms, fingers, soles, and toes. The influence of the papier projecting into the epidermis forms contours in the skin surface. You may have heard of them. They are called fingerprints. Ooh, wow. So these epidermal ridges from the papier occur in patterns and it is unique to each individual person. Gazing at my fingertips. Yeah. So actually, and I, I always kind of thought that, fingerprints were just like like you would stamp into skin but it makes sense because you shed skin so often it's pulled in. it's actually being pulled down from under the yeah. surface isn't that cool that's really interesting um so the reticular region i just keep looking at my I arches no, go ahead and my loops <laughs> i don't know how many whirls no whirls Mm-mm. i don't think i've ever seen a whirl in real life i don't think it's a real thing i think i just have a yeah i just have loops I got yeah. a lot of loops with arches. Don't don't describe them too in depth because, <laughs> you know, people are going to draw it. Um, so the reticular region lies deep in the papillary region and is usually much thicker. It is composed of dense, irregular connective tissue and receives its name from the dense concentration of collagenous, elastic, and reticular fibers that weave throughout it. What great words. Thank you. Um, I didn't make them up. I don't know why I said thank you. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I made them up just now. So these are protein fibers that give the dermis its properties of strength, extensibility, and elasticity. You've heard of collagen. Yes. Of course, because skincare is a big deal. So, um, so it's like, also important to bones. Oh, it's also important to yeah. bones. Absolutely. But most often, if you're reading a ladies magazine, they're talking about oh, collagen yeah. and like, you know, the bounce of your mm-hmm. skin. That's those protein fibers. Okay. 
Um, also located within the reticular region are the roots of the hairs, sebaceous glands, sweat glands, receptors, um, the base of your nails, and blood vessels, bigger blood vessels. It's, weird to th- it's weirder to me to think about where my nails come from. Right. Than- it's, I mean, <laughs> this, again, I, I feel like most often when I do a topic, I really feel, I feel it. Like I, I start feeling... Like the very the, conscious, the true of the nature that of your things. body has taught yourself to ignore for so long. Exactly, yeah, because otherwise we wouldn't get anything done. Um, tattoo ink when you get tattooed, mm-hmm. that's held in the dermis. Okay. Um, stretch marks from pregnancy and obesity are also located in the dermis, which is why it's so hard. They're so hard to get rid of. Yeah. Um, so finally, we get to the lowest point, the hypodermis, or it's also known as the subcutaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, I subtitled this portion adipose globs. <laughs> You'll find out why. So you mentioned the lower lowermost layer of skin. The hypodermis is used mainly for fast storage. Um, it is also referred to as subcutaneous tissue and consists primarily of loose connective tissue and lobules of fat. And subcutaneous <laughs> tissue contains 50% of your body fat. <clears throat> so 50% oh, of wow. your fat okay. in it's your body your skin. is near your skin. <clears throat> It also contains larger blood vessels and nerves than those found in the dermis. So your bigger blood vessels are deep in there, and which makes sense because they have to be protected. <clears throat> there are four main receptors in the skin that respond to pressure. These are great. You okay. ready for this? Meisner's corpuscles, Merkel's discs, Ruffini endings, and Pacinian corpuscles. A of all corpuscles is a wonderful word. Isn't and B it great? of all, you got to tell me more about the Merkel's. I'm going to tell you. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to tell you about the Merkel's discs. So <clears throat> each of those receptors responds to a different type of touch. So Meisner corpuscles respond to light touch. Okay. So like if a fly lands on your skin, you're like, huh, that's the Meisner's corpuscles okay. being like, hey. Then Merkel discs respond to pressure and texture. So when you touch something okay. that's bumpy, you're touching fabric, uh-huh. those are your Merkel discs. How do they spell Merkel? Um, M-E-R-K-E-L. Okay. Uh, Ruffini endings um, are responsive to stretching. So when you like stretch your hands out or when your skin is stretched in some way, okay. when you're getting like a massage and your skin is being oh. stretched, that's the, the Ruffini endings. And the Pacinian corpuscles uh, respond to vibration and deep pressure. So vibration of just like around you or when you're in a chair and deep pressure from like a deep tissue massage or if you're being pushed on. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that weird? If you're you're being flattened. Yeah. If you're being flattened, you can say to yourself, (laughs) if you're being smooshed, you can be like, those are my Pacinian corpuscles. Thank you guys. Thank you. Because otherwise I would not know. Um, In addition to those specific receptors there are countless free nerve endings in the skin that gauge pain and temperature and obviously as you know these work in conjunction with each other Mm -hmm. you know again i go back to a massage you can feel the stretching and the deep pressure and maybe some pain i mean depending on how deep that i always tell the masseuse to beat the hell out of me (laughs) and i get mixed reactions depending on who i ask (laughs) they're like ma'am do we need to call the cops do we need to call anybody Okay, so now we're going to talk about melanin under the headline, mm-hmm. Melanin Magic. Ooh. Human skin shows high skin color variety from the darkest brown to the lightest pinkish white hues. Human skin shows higher variation in color than any other single mammalian species. Oh, that's really interesting to think about. Is that about. interesting? Yeah, and 
it, I guess, you know, if you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not something that, you know, you think about a lot. Yeah. It's kind of a weird, like, oh yeah, of course that like, yeah. seems to be a common thought. Um, skin pigmentation in humans evolved to primarily regulate the amount of ultraviolet radiation penetrating the skin, which controls its biochemical effects. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual skin color of different humans is affected by many substances, although the single most important substance determining human skin color is the pigment melanin. Mm-hmm. Um, melanin is produced within the skin in cells called melanocytes and is the main determinant of the skin color of darker skinned humans. Okay. Um, the skin color of people with light skin, and I was like, the skin color of people with light skin is determined mainly by the bluish white connective tissue under the dermis and by the hemoglobin circulating in the veins of the dermis. So you're saying that lighter skin people have less melanin and the coloring yes. that you do see is based on basically the blood in our body. Yes. The, the, the blood and, well, the hemoglobin, which okay. is colorless or milky white. Okay. And the bluish white connective tissue under the dermis. So we're basically seeing like through our layers of skin. So when you talk about people that are so pale that it's almost translucent, it's really... And that's why like um, when you see people who have uh, albinism Mm -hmm. or people who are very, very pale, they look almost blue. Like that's kind of like they have a bluish quality and you can see all of their veins. And the reason why you see... I mean, I can see my veins right now because I'm pretty pale. But the reason why is because your skin is relatively translucent. And so the actual oh, color of your weird skin. weird to think about. Isn't that weird to think about? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the more melanin you have. like the diagrams, they don't show your skin as translucent. They no. show it as like yeah. whatever crayon Peach. shade they want to use that exactly. day. Peach. Oh, okay. So if you don't have, melanin <laughs> is like is like a shade. It, okay. It like colors the skin cells so you don't see the bluish white dermis underneath but because people who had evolved to live away from the equator where you would need a lot of melanin to protect yourself from uv rays um that was bred out and so you didn't need the melanin anymore and uh so your skin was just skin colored which is clear as it turns out (laughs) so if you were a sorority girl in the early 2000s and you like to go tanning yes is that like you were trying to like were you like just damaging the outside of your skin or were you trying to like stimulate any the melanin that you do have to to try to come to the forefront so it's it's a little bit of both Uh uh-huh so Part of it is you're stimulating what, because everyone, at least people with albinism have no or very yeah. little melanin. Yeah. Like we have, you and I as white girls do have some melanin in our yeah. skin, but that is usually found in like patches. So like uh-huh. freckles come out and like okay. moles and things like that. That's mm-hmm. where your melanin kind of like finds itself. So when you go out into the sun, you literally like, like roast your skin. You like, mm cook it yeah and that's what like toasts the outside and it like activates your melanin but nine the reason why it causes skin cancer is because you're actually baking yourself as opposed to like melanin creates like a natural thing that you don't have a lot of well salem tanning Mm. did 15 tanning sessions for ten dollars and that like what you couldn't you couldn't turn that down (laughs) well the reason why free (laughs) free uv light yeah. And then just check your moles, Jewel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> please, 
Please be careful. I haven't been in a tanning booth in probably 10 years now. But yeah, my sister, I used to really like it. And when you look back at pictures of me from college, damn, did I look like an Italian you, girl. Oh my gosh. She had brown hair, which is weird because Julia has been a blonde as long as I've known her. But she had brown hair and like she was like... Like brown. And like she dark, was like dark. roasty, toasty. She looked like Gina Lola Brigida. I was like, <laughs> my God, look at you. Italian princess. She looked more Italian than I have ever looked. And I am actually Italian. But yeah, I could never tan. Yeah. Um, even when I was a teenager, when tanning was like really huge, my sister would lay out and she would look like get as brown as a nut. Yeah. But... I would lay Not out you. and this, I wouldn't even burn. Like this, oh. I was so white that the sun <laughs> would be like, like ah! was bouncing off it was of just bouncing skin. off of me. <laughs> and let's be honest. I didn't spend a lot of time outside. Um, and now being pale is like the new hotness. Yeah. You're back. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, so the red color underlying the skin becomes more visible as well. So <laughs> I just think you told me to check my moles. <laughs> please. Also, everyone, please check your moles. Check them very important keep an eye on those babies um so in the face uh especially when you are very light-skinned um your blood vessels in the dermis and the Mm -hmm. um hypodermis becomes more visible because you don't have like that shading of melanin so like when i am at the gym you can tell when i just did cardio because my face is full of red blood yeah for the whole (laughs) and that's physical exercise it causes a stimulation of the nervous system um, and also stimulation of the nervous system when you are angry or when you are scared mm. or you're embarrassed, blood vessels get bigger, mm-hmm. dilate, and then it rushes the blood to the surface of the skin. So that's why you get like pink and red. Um, the Fitzpatrick scale is a numerical classification schema for human skin color developed in 1975 as a way to classify the typical response of different types of skin to ultraviolet light. So, so like very specifically for medical purposes. Yes. No, yeah. this is this is certainly not for any sort of eugenic racist oh, thing. I was thinking more like makeup shades, oh. but okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> not makeup either. It's mostly like on one, like on one end, it's like, Super pale, yeah. freckles and burns very easily mm-hmm. all the way to high melanin content mm-hmm. has like natural UV protection okay. kind of thing. Um, it was for dermatologists. So we're going to talk about skin aging. Oof. Um, right. As skin ages, it becomes thinner and more easily damaged. Intensifying this effect is the decreasing ability of skin to heal itself as a person ages. This is just the oh. natural, the natural way of all body systems. Uh, among other things, skin aging is noted by a decrease in volume and elasticity. If you've read a ladies' magazine in the past 10 years, you know all about this. There are many internal and external causes to skin aging. Uh, for example, aging skin receives less blood flow and lower glandular activity. And a validated comprehensive grading scale has categorized the clinical findings of skin aging as laxity, which is sagging, rytids, which is wrinkles, uh, and the various facets of photo aging, including erythema, which is redness, telangiectasia, which is spider veins, oh. dispigmentation, which is brown spots, like yeah. age, like uh, wisdom spots. Uh-huh. That's another term for it. Liver spots. Or liver spots. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I like less, yours better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, solar elastosis, which is like a yellowing, like a lot of older people oh. have like a sallow color. Um, keratoses, which are abnormal growths. A lot of people call those barnacles. They look like, 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 um, <laughs> raised, 
like barnacle things on like the arms and the face um, and poor texture. Uh, Cortisol causes degradation of collagen, accelerating skin aging. So you hear about like when people go through a very traumatic experience Mm -hmm. and they have had a lot of stress in their life for a very long time. They go, oh my God, he aged 10 years. That's a real thing. Yeah. Because the stress produces cortisol, which causes a degradation of collagen, which causes a lot of aging in the specifically in the face. Yeah. Or or it can turn your hair white. Or it can turn your hair white, which again is part of the integumentary and you're system. Hoping, you're hoping to have one big shock where can I you tell see you? a ghost in a basement and then come out with a, sh- with a streak of white hair. As long as I can remember, I have always wanted pure white hair. <laughs> I love it. I I I freak old ladies out when I see that. I go, oh my God, your hair is so beautiful. And they're like, um, thanks. Get away from me, <laughs> young person. Like, I love it. It's so cool. Can you imagine how witchy and amazing I would look if I had just white hair? It would be something. It would be, don't, I know what that means. It's gonna, it, I'm gonna look so good. You'll see. Okay. <laughs> I'll get you all. I'll get I'll you all. You. I'm gonna look amazing. I'm gonna look like a witch. Okay, photo aging from the sun Mm -hmm. uh, has two main concerns, an increased risk for skin cancer and the appearance of damaged skin. Um, In younger skin, skin damage will heal faster since the cells in the epidermis have a faster turnover rate, that whole like your cells merging up to the top and Mm -hmm. like regenerating, uh, that happens more often. Uh, And in older population, the skin becomes thinner and the epidermis turnover rate for cell repair is lower, which may result in the dermis layer being damaged. So- because you don't have that quick turnover your yeah. ha- and your skin is thinner, that doesn't happen as quickly or as um, completely okay. as you would when you were younger. Um, so we won't talk about that anymore. <laughs> uh, skin specifically performs the following functions. Okay. Protection, sensation, heat regulation, control of evaporation. Our juices don't leak out and evaporate in the sun. Aesthetics and communication. If you have pockmarks all over your face, people are like, you're probably 16, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, storage and synthesis. Uh, synthesis. It acts as a storage center for lipids and water, as well as a means of synthesis for vitamin D by action of UV on certain parts of the skin. So you actually, you know, you've heard about this, you know, people are like, I'm going to go outside and get some vitamin D. Like, it's actually the sun hits your skin and your skin creates vitamin D and that's important for uh-huh. bone growth, um, as well as other things. Uh, skin also performs excretion. Uh, sweat contains urea. However, its concentration is about one one thirtieth of that of urine. Um, hence, excretion by sweating is at most a secondary function to temperature regulation. But it still like secretes some stuff out. Um, also, absorption. Your toxins out. Get your toxins out. Yeah, like good sweat. Like when you like if you drink a lot, and then the next day you like you feel like you can feel the alcohol coming out of your pores. Can I tell you? Do you remember when we were in? We've talked about this, but do you remember when we went to Pittsburgh and we got super drunk at your fourth of, at your parents' Fourth of July party? We had a great time. We felled a tree. It was, oh, it was so much fun. Steve drank what three quarters of a bottle of whiskey. Probably he drank an enormous amount yeah, of whiskey. That's my brother's fault. Yeah. Mm, well, he he he. They didn't force it down his throat. I'm just saying. He was very drunk that night. I woke up next to him at three in the morning. <gasps> boiling alive because his body was just like 
processing all of that alcohol and like excreting it as like 110 degree heat within like a four foot radius of him. It was, he could have powered like the entire hotel room with that heat. It was crazy. It's like, that's it. We're not doing this again. Anyway, absorption. So you can absorb things through Mm. your skin, oxygen, not that much, but you still absorb some oxygen because it helps um, feed the cells. Uh, And water resistance. Your organs don't get wet because your skin is there. Ta-da! But you can't soak in it. Like we are are water resistant, but we are not waterproof. Waterproof. Because if we lie in a tub for an extended period of time... That's going to get in there and you're going to get gross. Well, isn't it then at that point, like your cells start to absorb yes. the water and that is bad. And then it, your cells are like, no more. And then just no go, they just explode. It's really bad. That's what happens when you drink too much water too. Yeah. Your cells get like oversaturated. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not holding like the salts and stuff that they exactly. need. Exactly. You need to have that dessert. electrolyte mm-hmm. balance. Um, okay, my next section is called We're Covered in Bacteria. Oh, God. Oh, oh yeah, here here's we go. Where it, here's where it goes. The human skin is a rich environment for microbes. Mm, Around course. a thousand species of bacteria from 19 bacterial phyla have been found. There are three main ecological areas moist, dry, and sebaceous. Ecologically, and by ecologically, I mean your skin, sebaceous areas had greater species richness than moist and dry ones. So sebaceous is the oil is your oily mm-hmm. glands that are all over your body. Um, the areas with the least similarity between people in species. So where your bacteria is very much you and not anybody else is in the areas of the spaces between your fingers, the spaces between your toes, your armpit and the umbilical cord stump, which is your belly button. Most similarly, so where everybody has basically the same kind of bacteria, was beside the nostril, the nares, which is your nostril, like mm-hmm. in, just inside the nostril, uh, and on the back. Because those are areas that are, you know, we're all breathing the same air. Your back is a very large area that is exposed to... Can you tell me an example of a dry part of your skin? So a dry part of your skin is like your forearm. Okay. So that doesn't really sweat on me when I'm yeah. at the gym, I guess. I think the idea of a dry area is one that is dry most of the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'll talk about that in okay. a second. I was just trying to get my bear. Yeah. So um, reflecting upon the diversity of the human skin, researchers on the human skin microbiome have observed, quote, hairy, moist underarms lie a short distance from smooth, dry forearms. But these two niches are likely as ecologically dissimilar as rainforests are to deserts. Isn't that beautiful? She's making a face. Okay. The National Institute of Health has launched the Human Microbiome Project to characterize the human microbiota, which includes that on the skin and the role of this microbiome in health and disease. Most of the microorganisms on us are good for us. Yeah. We're not like, if I was, they're not terrible. We're not like infectious disease. Carrying, no. Yeah. Um, Like if I was to like lick the back of my hand right now, I'm not going to get like a staph infection because then we wouldn't have survived as a species. So, uh, but microorganisms like Staphylococcus epidermis, they colonize the skin surface. 
Um, the density of skin flora depends on the region of the skin, depends on where it is. But the disinfected skin surface gets recolonized from bacteria residing in the deeper areas of the hair follicle, gut, and urogenital openings. So every time you shower, you're like, scrubbity scrub, I'm so clean. You get out of the shower and then they crawl out from underneath your arms <laughs> and they crawl out from your hair follicles and they're like, I'm coming back. And then there they are, blah, 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 climbing all over you. <laughs> Okay. I don't have any words for this part. (laughs) The skin supports its own ecosystems of microorganisms, including yeasts and bacteria, which cannot be removed by any amount of cleaning. So don't even try. try. Estimates place the number of individual bacteria on the surface of one square inch of human skin at 50 million. Though this figure varies greatly over the average 20 square feet of human skin. Oily surfaces, such as the face, may contain over 500 million bacteria per square inch. I know you're just getting big eyes over here. Despite these vast quantities, all of the bacteria found on the skin surface would fit into the volume the size of a pea. Yeah, I know. In general, the microorganisms keep one another in check and are part of a healthy skin. So much like your your gut bacteria, they, they counteract bad bacteria yeah. so that you're not sick all the time. So your healthy skin, a healthy skin has a lot of bacteria, good bacteria that are preventing you from getting infections. So, so when the balance is just what? It's just, when you start thinking about it, it's not great. No, it's not. Like, uh, I remember my mom said when she found out that your eyelashes have mites on them, she was Mm. like, what's the point of living? Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) there are tiny, bugs that are like munch 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 on, on your skin and your eyeball juices mm. yeah it's just mm. tough sorry lynn i just brought that back um, she doesn't like eyeball stuff oh no she can talk ad, ad nauseum at, about people's arms getting cut off yeah. and like their intestines falling out of their bodies and stuff but once you talk about an eyeball injury she can't it's she can't same, do it yeah it's the same thing with my mom i don't know what it is like my mom could have someone vomit all over her at work and she's like oh whatever but she can't go to the eye doctor, you know, the glaucoma test, like the puff test. She, the first time that happened, she was like, absolutely not. They were like, no, ma'am, we need to do a glaucoma test on you. She was like, no, no. you don't. Nope. I'll go blind. Every <laughs> Yeah. She'd rather go blind than have someone go into her, into her eyeball. <laughs> now they do. Well, she always has to sign a waiver and they're just, they get so mad at her. Yeah. Um, but like, now I'm going to charge you for it anyway. She's, she's like, like I whatever. Care. I don't even care. Now I went to my new eye doctor and what he what they do is they freeze the eyeball with drops like not freeze it like in place but it's mm-hmm. like numb it's a weird sensation and then he just pokes your eyeball bloop with like a little tool i think if they asked me to poke my own eyeball i would feel more comfortable yeah. with that than somebody coming at me with a tool i can touch my own eyeball it doesn't bother me oh yeah all well, you I people mean, with contacts do it all exactly, the time the contact lens thing the first time i took my contact lenses in front out in front of steve i think i told the story on the <laughs> podcast but he looked at me like i pulled off my own head he was like <laughs> never do that again so now of course now i'm because i'm an asshole i'm like babe look bloop, bloop. and pull out my eyeballs so yeah sorry uh there are 500 bazillion bacteria on a square inch of your skin yep mm-hmm. i might do an eyeball episode now I'm i'm super into that okay <laughs> When the balance of your microorganisms on your skin surface is disturbed, there may be an overgrowth and infection, such as when antibiotics kill microbes, resulting in an overgrowth of yeast. Uh, the skin is continuous within the inner epithelial lining of the body at the orifices, each of which supports its own complement of microbes. So 
You think of your mouth. That's the that's the G version of this mm-hmm. concept. No problem. Um, your skin is continuous, obviously, around your lips and into the mm-hmm. inside of your mouth. But the bacteria in your mouth is different from the bacteria on your face. Mm-hmm. And neither the twain shall meet. Um, so you talked about this briefly, but I'm going to talk about it in more detail. Yeah. Don't worry. We've gone past the bacteria part. Great. What happens to my skin when I injure myself? Oh. Right? So first, you bleed, as you know. Mm-hmm. Blood comes out. They're like, oh, my God. And the inflammatory response begins. So that's redness, swelling, pain, all that stuff. Then clotting mechanisms in the blood are soon activated and a clot of scab is formed within several hours. So you've got a scab. Uh, The scab temporarily restores the integrity of the epidermis and restricts the entry of microorganisms. So it's like a little cap. Mm -hmm. It's a little, it's a, your body's bandaid covers the cut. Um, So after the scab is formed, cells begin to divide by mitosis and migrate to the edges of the scab. So it's like, they're like, here we go, guys. And they start pushing the skin cells to the edges to like close it in from the outside in underneath the cap of your Mm -hmm. scab. So, um, so construct this a week after the injury, the edges of the wound are pulled together by contraction. So not only are they building new cells, but it's also like pulling the injury together yeah. so the edges are together so that is why scabs are itchy like when you have an injury okay. and your, your scar tissue or your scab is starting to form it's because you're getting like your skin is being stretched together so that oh, wound healing can happen weird. yeah okay. isn't that crazy um as epithelial cells continue to migrate around the scab the dermis is repaired by the activity of stem cells so the underlying tissue is hmm. being re- repaired by stem cells okay um, these active cells produce collagenous fibers and what's known as ground substance. And that's an amorphous gel-like substance in the extracellular space that contains all components of the extracellular matrix, which is that goo, mm. um, except for fibrous materials such as collagen and elastin. So the fiber, all of that stuff is like being constructed from the inside out. Uh, blood vessels soon grow into the dermis, restoring circulation. Um, If the injury is very minor, just like a cut or a scrape or whatever, um, the epithelial cells eventually restore the epidermis once the dermis has been regenerated. So everything's back to normal. You don't get any marks. So in major injuries, the repair mechanisms are unable to restore the skin to its original condition. And the repaired region contains an abnormally large number of collagenous fibers and relatively few blood cells. Damaged sweat and sebaceous glands, hair follicles, muscle cells, and nerves are seldom repaired. And they're usually replaced by the fibrous tissue, which is a scar tissue. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's inflexible and it's fibrous. I mean, you've seen, you probably have scars like this, where if you have a very bad injury, your skin is different in that part where Mm -hmm. you were injured than everywhere else. And some people get um, what are known as keloids, which is when your skin is just like, oh, like it gets, it's like, this is really bad. It get it treats it worse than it is. Oh, so like a very, very bad scar that has like, yeah, the, like the lumps kind of over it. Yeah. It looks like lumpy. It's like, um, yeah, keloid scar yeah. where it wasn't a bad injury, but your body just like freaks out over yeah. it. It creates that scar tissue when it's, it doesn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. So I have a keloid on my lower lip, which you can see when I smile sometimes like right there Mm. it used to be bigger yeah um it happened when i was in third grade uh my classmate amy i hope you're listening amy i haven't forgiven you for this she i closed my eyes and i was like lead me around and she was like okay and then she led me into a wall (laughs) 
and I'm not laughing. At I, I know it's okay. It, it was third grade. I'm laughing at this at the image of that. Yeah. So I ran smack into a wall at like full walking speed, which wasn't like I didn't like slam my head into it, but my front tooth went into my lip, uh. and I I actually had like a really bad chip in my mm-hmm. front tooth, and my mother was livid because those were permanent teeth. Yeah. I'd already like had my baby teeth out. And uh, I needed to have a bond put on to my the, the lower yeah. corner of my front tooth. And the keloid on my lip is still there. Ah. It's like I still have the bump. But uh, I was just recently at the dentist and she tapped the bond and she goes, when did you get this? And I said, third grade. And she went, what? <laughs> like it shouldn't. So like I there? should have had it replaced oh. 20 years ago or something wow. like that. And I was like, every time I went to the dentist, they were like, ah, it's not doing anything. Yeah. And she was like, oh, well, we're going to have to do something about this. I was like, all right. So you might see me with like a one big tooth. I'm going to have one big tooth. (laughs) Maybe you can pick what color you get. Oh, my God. Gold tooth. Done. (gasps) Rose gold tooth. That'd be so So hot right now. Yes. With like a diamond in it. Steve will be so excited. Uh, my biggest scar is on my upper thigh of my left leg because uh, when I was a teen and Bobby was maybe 10, uh, we got in a fight about something and he stabbed me in the leg with a seam ripper. <laughs> Which the seam ripper part is, I think, the most horrifying. Because it's two blades. It's two blades. <laughs> two extremely sharp yes. blades. Mm-hmm. Just plunged that right into my thigh like no. it was nothing. And then... And then you, I got in trouble. You got in trouble. Because I was older and I should have known better than to fight with him. That's. I was like, I probably need stitches. And they were like, go to your room. <laughs> I was like bleeding through my sweatpants. Oh it my was... God. And then you were like, your lips were turning blue. And yeah. you were like, oh I no, just, like... I feel faint. And then you died. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like it's that, um. It's that scene in uh, Jaws where they're in the they're all drunk and they're comparing their scars. <laughs> yeah. Except it's all it's not visual. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, here's some skin <laughs> trivia. Skin um, trivia. That was really good. Every time I do skin trivia, you can sing that song. <laughs> Every single segment. Every single uh-huh. skin trivia segment, you can sing it. OK. Have you heard of anthropodermic? bibliopagy I, I sure have not well it's the practice of binding books in human skin <gasps> i know it's actually kind of righteous and the wikipedia page about anthropodermic bibliopagy is super interesting so as of april 2016 the anthropodermic book project has identified 47 alleged anthropodermic books in the world's libraries and museums of those 30 books have been tested or are in the process of being tested surviving historical examples of this technique include anatomy texts bound with the skin of dissected cadavers volumes created as bequest and bound with the skin of the testator so the person was like my dying wish is that you make this book out of my skin and copies of judicial proceedings bound in the skin of the murderer convicted in those proceedings, such as in the case of John Horwood in 1821 and the Red Barn murder in 1828. There is also a tradition... It feels late for that. Yeah, like, I know. That's like too late. Where you're like... This is not a, just a Middle Ages thing. No, that's we cannot blame it on like, oh, those crazy medievals. It's yeah. like they died at 30 and they were all... They all had syphilis anyway. No, this is like... 
people were real doctors then. Um, there is also a tradition of certain volumes of erotica being bound in human skin. Oh yeah, that's gross. Examples reported include a copy of the Marquis de Sade's Justine et Juliette bound in tanned skin from female breasts. Other examples are known with the feature of the intact human nipple on one or more of the boards of the book. The Marquis de Sade, like he was a freak show. I mean, he will not be a, topic of no. our podcast no i did too much of a prude to I talk refuse. about him. no it's disgusting okay on average you'll shed about 10 pounds of skin cells during a single year uh skin releases up to three gallons of sweat during hot weather oh wow um yeah isn't that gross yeah yeah uh some people never develop fingerprints at all uh, there are two rare genetic defects known as uh, Nagelli syndrome and dermatopathia pigmentosa reticularis. Um, those can leave carriers without any identifying ridges on their skin. Whoa. Yeah. I think it's something like the papier that, that like reach up and like pull on the surface of the skin. I think they don't grow high enough. I feel like this came up in like <clears throat> Patricia Corn, one of Patricia Cornwell's books. Like oh, the really? Case Carpetta series. There was a perpetrator that didn't have fingerprints. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's really interesting. Weird. Um, globally, dead skin accounts for about a billion tons of dust in the atmosphere. Your skin sheds 50,000 cells every minute. Um, Australia has some of the highest rates of skin cancer in the world. Is it because of the ozone? Um, in the ozone layer? It's because it's close to the equator. Uh-huh. And the people who live there are Euro- European. Mm-hmm. And they were not evolved to oh, uh, yeah, have to natural have UV. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have like, I think it's it's, it's something astronomically high, like forty five percent of the the cancers that are reported in Australia are skin cancers. They're melanomas. Yeah, wow. it's really bad. Um, and the finally the phrase "by the skin of one's teeth" comes from the Book of Job, from the Bible. Uh, the quote is, my bone cleaveth to my skin and to my flesh, and I, as, I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. And that is Job 19.20. So there you go. Wow. That skin. So my quiz, I was inspired by the skin of the teeth thing. Um, and because I've been meaning to do this for a while, uh, I'm going to do 10 questions on Bible trivia. <laughs> Here we go. Question, <laughs> question number one. How many books are in the standard Bible? Question number two. Who climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus as he entered Jericho? Question number three. What two men in the Bible never died? Question number four. What is the longest book in the Bible? Question number five. What language were the books of the New Testament originally written in? Question number six. What gospel includes the Beatitudes? Question number seven. Who is generally considered to be the first Christian martyr? Question number eight. Who was the first known European convert to Christianity? Question number nine. Jesus is the first, of course, but who is the second most mentioned man in the Bible? And finally, question number 10. I'm going to name four ways to die terribly, and you tell me if it was an actual way a saint died or just something I made up. 
First, grilled. Second, hacked to death by children. Third, flayed. And fourth, baked in a giant bronze bowl. I'll give you a minute to think about it and pray about it. We'll be back in a minute with your answers. Oh, make me over. I'm all I want to be. I walk and study. Come on. Lauren you know may as well have been <laughs> asking questions to a brick wall. <laughs> because I'll tell you. What? I went to like 12 years of catechism yeah, class. Yeah, you did. But we didn't. Catholics don't study the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Oh. Catholics don't do Bible study no. like other religions do. So. All right. Well. My only Bible exposure was falling asleep during the <laughs> sermons at mass. Okay. See, I did not grow up Catholic, so I I in uh, elementary school memorized all the books of the Old Testament, and I can still do it. That's great. I won't do it now. I'm not going to show off. So glad. Um, okay, here we go. Question number one: How many books are in the Standard Bible? Old and new. Yes. Thirty-six. Sixty-six. Okay, you're off by thirty. That's pretty good. Don't patronize. <laughs> Question you number could just say no. Bad guess. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you it's a bad guess. It was a guess, and that's valid. Question number two. What would Jesus say? Question number two. Who climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus as he ec- entered Jericho? I've never heard of this in my okay. life. It was Zacchaeus. Who? Z- Zacchaeus. I'll tell you who he was. He was a tax collector. He was wealthy, and he was short. He climbed a tree <laughs> because he needed to see Jesus, and Jesus saw him, and he was like. Hey, bud, invite me to your house for dinner. And Zacchaeus was like, okay. The end. How's his name spelled? Uh, Z-A-C-C-H-A-E-U-S. Zacchaeus. I've never heard that name in my life. It's a it's a quick story when Jesus is coming back. You know, he comes in on the donkey and they wave the palm branches. And everyone's like, Jesus, Jesus. And Zacchaeus was like, I'm climbing this tree. And he was like, hey, bud. And he was like, hey, man, come to my house. It's true. That's actually, I am quoting the Bible right there. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> Question number three. What two men in the Bible never died? Noah. No. Abraham. No. I don't know. Okay. It was Enoch and Elijah, the prophet Elijah. Okay. So um, Enoch, this is Old Testament. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. This is Methuselah's dad. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was no more because God took him away. So Enoch was not described as dying. He was just taken away by God. 
Okay. Which is an interesting language thing. I thought that was, I think that's very cool. Hmm. Um, and then the quote with Elijah is he uh, went up to heaven in a whirlwind. God was like, you did good. Here we go. And he like went up. That's how I imagine it. Okay. <laughs> Question number four. <laughs> what is the longest book in the Bible? It is Old Testament. Numbers. That is a good guess, but it's not correct. It is Psalms. Okay. Psalms uh, is a, a book of poetry. It is my favorite book of the Bible. It is 150 chapters. Is it like Dan Brown chapters where no. they're all one page long? Or <laughs> <laughs> Some of them. Some of them are very short. They're like three or four paragraphs. And other of them, they're like really long. Mm-hmm. They're like, they have like 147 verses or something like that. Okay. Question number five. What language were the books of the New Testament originally written in? Aramaic. That's very. That's a very good guess. I'm going to tell you why. Because Aramaic was the common language of um, of the Middle East mm-hmm. during this time period, but the common like universal language at the time, or un- as universal as possible in that region, was Greek. And so Greek was what the New Testament was written in, so hmm. that it could reach more people. That was okay. the idea. Okay. Question number six: What gospel includes the Beatitudes, and it is in the New Testament? Well, I have a 25 percent chance. Yes. Um, I'll just say John. Oh, it's Matthew. Okay. So the Beatitudes are blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the long suffering. All of those. FYI. Question number seven. Who is generally considered to be the first Christian martyr? John the Baptist. No, it is Stephen. Never heard of him. Neither had I. Stephen was a deacon <laughs> in the early church of Jerusalem who aroused the enmity of members of various synagogues by his teachings and was accused of blasphemy. His martyrdom was witnessed by Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee who would later himself become a follower of Jesus. He was stoned to death, which is a tough way to go, but not the worst way to go because wait till question 10. All right. Question number eight. I had no idea what this was. So if you don't get it right, that's okay. Who was the first known European convert to Christianity? Her name was Lydia of Thyatira. She sold purple. She was a purple seller. I don't know if that means purple fabric or like purple dye. dye. And they describe her as the first European convert, but she was Greek. And I don't know if Greece is considered European. Yes. Yeah. Wait. What was that? Yes. Greece is in Europe. (laughs) I don't know why I put my ear to the microphone when when you whispered like we have two cans. Like, yes, Greece is... Okay. <laughs> well, you know that whole region. You got. You got. There was a lot. It was close together in mm-hmm. the terms of global. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you know, I do a Bible quiz and she gets mad at me, and now she's getting her revenge. Okay. <sighs> Question number nine: Jesus is the first, of course, but who is the second most mentioned man in the Bible? It is David, King David. Who? He, David, King who? David. Who? What did he do? David? Yeah. He wrote Psalms. Like he was, he's the one who like saw Bathsheba bathing and he like took her as his wife and he was David, the one who killed Goliath. Those are two different guys. No, they're not. It's the same dude. Bathsheba guy is a bad guy. No, he's not bad. He was good. Yeah, that's what the point of the painting is, is that it's a bad guy. he He wasn't a bad guy. He did a bad thing. And then he had to go into the desert and he had to like ashes and sackcloth. And that's what Psalms is about because he was so upset because he he denied God because God said, do not be with that woman. You have a wife. And he was like, whatever. I do what I want because I'm the king. It's true. Huh? Yeah. 
Same guy. Killed Goliath. He was, God loved him. He was his favorite in the Old Testament. Jesus was his favorite in the New Testament. I mean, let's be honest. Okay. David is mentioned 1,118 times in the Bible. There you go. Okay. Question number 10. I'm going to name four ways to die terribly. And you tell me if it was an actual way a saint died or just something I made up. I'm going to say they're all true. Julia. (laughs) (laughs) They're all true. (laughs) (laughs) It was a trick question. Uh All right. Here we go. Just pretend. Okay. Okay. One. Grilled. True. True. It was St. Lawrence. His last words were, turn me over. I'm done on that side. He did not say that. I'm not that. kidding you. That is hagiographic. He is the patron saint of cooks. I kid you. I shit you not. His last words were, turn me over. I don't believe it. I'm for done a on second. that side. I will I show you. I will show second. you. <laughs> okay. Second. Hacked to death by children. True. Okay. That's St. Cassian. He was a teacher of pagan pupils. He was stabbed to death by them and their styluses and pen knives. He is the patron saint of parish clerks. That is interesting. Okay. Flayed. Yes. Yes. Saint Bartholomew. His skin was fully removed from his body in strips while he was alive. He is frequently depicted in art with his skin draped around him like a, like a cloak. It's like draped around his arm. Uh, he is the patron saint of tanners. Oh, I know. So all of this is so ironic. I know. Does that mean St. Anthony was just like always losing everything? Just bumbling around? <laughs> yeah. find his like, glasses anywhere? And then anything. they made him the patron saint of lost things? Probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the last, last one is baked in a giant bronze bowl. True. Yes. It's St. Antipas. He was put in the belly of a bull, like a bronze mm-hmm. bull, and then he was roasted alive with a fire underneath it. This mm-hmm. was in Sicily, which makes sense because so Sicilians. Yeah, right. They really, and then the guy who invented it was killed in it. He was like, this is a great way to kill people. And they were like, you're right. Get in there. And he was like, no. And then he roasted to death. Um, St. Antipas is the patron saint of teeth and tooth ailments. (laughs) Wow. These are all real, at least as real as the, as like the apocryphal. Yeah. I mean, saints are a thing. I think learning about like, um, medieval like torture and stuff like that is also kind of interesting because yeah some of it is a little overblown for like oh, yeah. what we what we picture like the iron maiden and all that stuff and like like researchers have come back and been like eh, it was really more to like scare people no one actually put anybody in a coffin full of like nails on both sides exactly it like, seems like but it's interesting to to learn about it and why they like scared people into exactly yeah, like with torture devices mm-hmm. and like, oh, we're going to break you on the wheel. When in fact, actually breaking on the wheel uh, was like... St. Catherine got broke on the wheel. She but. did. But <laughs> in, you think it's like they tied her to a wheel and then they like rolled her through town or something like that. She was literally that just like... so much more pleasant. <laughs> she was just like tied to a giant wheel and then they just beat her, which is bad, but it's not like creative and weird and like disgusting. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what they were really going for. These, these early writers who were trying to like scare the bejesus out of people <laughs> like these super weird creative long ways to kill people that yeah is kind of a waste of like resources if you really think about it so anyway skin skin everybody i thought the flayed thing was uh a nice tie-in to that saint bartholomew and his skin um i'm also like kind of interested in um saints 
because there's so many saints, obviously. Mm-hmm. It depends on like what culture you're talking about. But saints in their, um, what's the word? Their stuff that they hold. They're, they're things. They're icons. You know, like... Um, they're symbols? They're symbols, yeah. The things they hold. Yeah. <laughs> like when they're depicted in art, they're usually holding their, their symbols. Yeah. yeah. Um, I always thought that was really interesting. Like the choices behind that and that kind of thing. So... So that was my uh, that was my topic on skin, and my quiz on uh, the Bible, which is very re- highly related to skin. <laughs> um, so we have uh, a listener submitted trivia. Listener submitted trivia. Hey, so um, we got some good 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 trivia, which was a uh, extension of what was it when we were talking about when we were talking about <laughs> Canadian music yeah is that my was that my episode when was it what were we talking about uh we were talking about uh, oh it was it was rivers yeah rivers yeah when you were not in rivers lakes. not lakes rivers I listened back to that episode and you said lakes like four times I you know were like, thank you for teaching me about lakes crap <laughs> rivers <laughs> rivers I don't know what it is. I think it just lakes want to like come to the forefront. I guess I just really want to hear more about lakes, Julia. Mm-hmm. So um, our good One friend day. Kathleen sent us an email and the subject line was yo. But Kathleen and I for a- almost an entire morning sent messages to each other on Facebook about Canadian music because she also grew up in the Buffalo area. Mm-hmm. So she definitely grew up listening to Canadian music and she kept sending me links and I was like, you're killing me, Kathleen. I am remembering this stuff so much. Mm-hmm. So um, she enjoyed the Can Canadian music segment. She said, it's actually a federal law where radio stations in Canada have to play a certain percentage of Canadian music per hour. They do this in order to mitigate the unavoidable American influence on everything in media. They determine whether or not a song is Canadian using what's known as, and I shit you not, the maple system. Maple system. <laughs> it's the maple system. M A P L. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it means uh, music artists. Uh, see, I'm linking to the thing, and it's people, not people. Like, people lyrics. Li- <laughs> <laughs> it'll come up. Mm-hmm. It'll yeah. It'll come up. Come on. Um. So yeah, they use the maple system, and it has to. Um. It has to f- like adhere to those categories mm-hmm. before they can be considered pure Canadian music. Um, it's not coming up. It's so annoying. Uh, she said, like Lauren, I am familiar with a ton of bands and artists that 95% of Americans would not know. And I was like, Oh my God, Kathleen, do you remember Gowan? And she was like, Oh my God, it was just so good. We kept sending each other stuff. And I found a, a Spotify playlist called uh, Canadian gold or something like that. <laughs> it was just so good. So thank you very much to, um, to Kathleen for and we'll tweet out the link to yeah to to more info system. on maple okay so it's music artists performance mm. and lyrics that's what that okay. stands for so content made by Canadians and that's for radio television and for Canadians by Canadians <laughs> eh anyway so uh, thank you so much for listening to me talking about mildly gross and also obscure Bible stuff. Um, 
uh, if you would like to get in touch with us, if you would like to give us uh, like some topics that you want to hear more about, we are open to suggestions. It's kind of tough to come up with a new topic every week that can be expressed like in interesting ways (laughs) that we can have like a good dialogue over. So if you have something that you have a hole in your trivia knowledge and want to hear more about, please just let us know. Yeah. And thanks to those of you who have sent them in. We are working on yes, some of these. We topics. are working on them. Um, so those have not gone on deaf ears. Uh, you can get in touch with us by via our website. Uh, we are misinfo, com. Uh, you can email us. We are misinfopod at gmail.com. You can tweet us. We are misinfopod on Twitter. And we also have a Facebook page. We are misinformation colon a trivia podcast right on our wall. Send us a message. Yeah. And uh, you have found us. You have listened to this whole episode. So you either found us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you use. Yes. Uh, using our RSS feed. So thank you. And please feel free to share. Rate, view, and subscribe. Oh, yeah. We haven't said that in a while. Um, we appreciate all of your um, nice comments and absolutely um, the, you sharing with people that you love. Yeah. Tell a friend. Tell a, an acquaintance. <laughs> tell tell, tell an someone enemy. that you can barely stand, but <laughs> think that they would be better served um, by listening to us. Yes. Yes, exactly. So um, thank you so much for sticking with us, you guys. And uh, we will catch you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>